You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. How did Isaiah uh, respond? He said, woe unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips. So when we have that sort of a manifestation of the holiness of God, it should draw us in. I'll give you a New Testament example of this. Remember uh, Peter's encounter with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Peter basically the same way. He said, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Have you ever had someone much younger than you talk to you as though they're your peer? Maybe they're using slang or it's just in their tone. Whatever it may be, it doesn't feel right. As the older and hopefully wiser person, you may lovingly and firmly use the moment to model respect to them. As Pastor Mike will point out in today's message, as we approach God, we need to come with the utmost humility and respect. He's the creator of the universe, and he loves you deeply. Keep that in mind while you pray. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 5 as he continues his message, The Philistines and the Ark of God. I remember what you said You returned that I might live In my Father's house. Divination by sacrifice. The entrails and liver of a sacrificial animal were examined to help the priests determine the will of their gods. Now, you know, aren't we glad that we don't have to appeal to such foolery? All we have to do is to consult and appeal to the word of God. Aren't you so glad? You know, all of this foolery. You know, in 2 Timothy, in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, there we are told, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, or as God breathed, and is profitable for doctrine. What is doctrine? Correct belief. For reproof, sometimes we need to be reproved. For correction, a lot of times we need to be corrected. For instruction in righteousness, counsel, that the man or the woman of God may be complete or mature, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So aren't you so glad that we have God's revealed word, that God has preserved for us his word, you know, so that we don't have to appeal to all of these crazy ways that people, you know, appeal to for direction for their lives. And, and uh, you know, and looking to the word of God, we can always move in the center of God's will for our lives and thus receive the blessings of God. So we should be very glad concerning uh, God's preserving his word and making it available to us. Well, 
we do not know the means by which the Philistines came to this decision, but here was their decision. Okay, let's pick up now verses 3 through 12 here in chapter 6. And so they said, if you send away the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it empty. So this was the council. But now they're going to send it back to Shiloh, where the tabernacle is. So they said, if you send away the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means return it to him with a trespass offering. Then you will be healed, and it will be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Then they said, what is the trespass offering which we shall return to him? And they answered, five golden tumors, and those were the boils that they were suffering. They were to be made of gold, and five golden rats. Now, this is interesting, because some think that the tumors were the result of the bubonic plague that was carried by rats. So God just chose his instruments as rats to to afflict the Philistines at this time. So the mention of rats. So not only were they to send these golden tumors, but also images of rats of gold as well, Uh, each uh, in the number of uh, five. And so for the same plague was on all of you and on our lords. Therefore, you shall make images of your tumors and images of your rats that ravage the land, and you shall give glory to the God of Israel, and perhaps he will lighten his hand from you, from your gods and from your land. Why then do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaohs hardened their hearts? Isn't it interesting that they knew something about the history of the nation of Israel? And they knew something about Jehovah, the God of Israel how that God went before his people Israel to deliver them out of Egypt, how that God uh, broke the back of Pharaoh, ultimately allowing God's people to go from the land of of Egypt. So they were familiar with the uh, history of, of, of Israel. But nevertheless, they still went up against Israel's God. When he did mighty things among them, verse 6, did they not let the people go that they might depart? Now, therefore, now here's the further counsel. Make a new cart. Take two milk cows, which have never been yoked. A yoke, remember, was a steering device. Uh, Back then, they would take uh, two animals, beasts of burdens, oxes, cows, or whatever, and they would have this steering device, usually made of wood, and it would uh, 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 take the the two beasts of burden uh, and combine them together for strength you know, to plow the field or turn the mill to grind the uh, wheat or, or whatever, uh, plow the ground. So take two milk cows, which have never been yoked before, and hitch the cows to the cart and take their calves home away from them. So these were cows that had just given birth. Now, this is interesting. Hold on to that uh, point. Then take the ark of the Lord, verse 8, set it on the cart, and put the articles of gold, which you are returning to him as a trespass offering in a chest by its side. So you have the Ark of the Covenant, and then you have this chest where the offering is placed within that chest on this cart. Then send it away, the cows pulling it, yoked together, and let it go. And watch then, 
And if it goes up the road, this is the way that they were to discern whether or not it was God, the God of Israel, who was afflicting the Philistines, and watch it, and if it goes up the road to its own territory, within the territory of the Israelis, to Beth Shemesh, which was an, an Israeli city, then he had done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by a chance. Come on, are you kidding me? Don't you get it? I mean, you know, how much is it going to take for them to realize that it was God who was bringing these, these afflictions upon them? Well, let's read on. Then the men did so, and they took two milk cows, hitched them to the cart, and shut up their calves at home. So they took the baby calves away from their mothers who had just given birth, these cows. They hitched them together. And they set the ark of the Lord on the cart and the chest with the gold rats and the images of their uh, tumors within the chest. Then the cows headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh and went along the highway, lowing as they went, and did not turn aside to the right hand or the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them to the border of Beth Shemesh. Well, okay, this is all very interesting. First, what did they do? Well, to placate Yahweh, the God of Israel, a guilt or trespass offering had been given him for the offense of removing him, that is the Ark of the Covenant, from his land. Five golden rats, five golden tumors, one for each principal city of the Pentopolis. Again, there, uh, notice again. Anyway, so anxious were the people to have the effects of the plague lifted that they all quickly contributed to the expensive offering that was placed within the chest. The diviners also suggested a strategy whereby they would not be held liable if the plague was not lifted. Notice there in verse 7. The ark, along with the offerings, placed in a new cart, drawn by cows who had recently calfed and had never borne a yoke before. And if the cows left their calves behind and would go against their maternal instincts and without direction from their owners you know, not being driven in the direction of that city, but willingly took the road that led to Beth Shemesh, then the Philistines would know that the ark and plagues were connected one to another. Well, listen, it went exactly like that. The people followed the cart to Beth Shemesh, glad the source of their trouble was removed from their land. Now, Verse 13, let's pick up there. And there we read, Now the people of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, it was that time of the year, and they lifted their eyes and they saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. You know, this must have been some scene. You know, because, you know, they had been deprived by the ark, uh, from the ark of God for at least the last seven months. But now the ark is returning. It was unmistakable what was going on. It must have been quite a scene. And as the cart came up the winding hill, someone's attention was diverted from working in the fields to the lowing of these cows that was pulling this cart. Their gaze riveted to the ark. 
that was overlaid with gold, the two cherubims overlaid with gold, the two cherubims with their wings overshadowing the mercy seat were unmistakable. So the people were now elated. They were excited. But at the same time, they were also fearful because who was following this car? The Philistines. They Remember, they were checking it out to see what was going on there. You know, they were trying to discern whether or not they were doing the right thing. So the Philistines were also uh, present. So yes, they were elated. Yes, they were excited. But at the same time, they were also fearful. But then the full realization had sunk in. And what was that? God himself had brought the ark back to his people. And there was no ransom. There was no conflict. And God convincingly demonstrated his power over his people's powerful enemies. And then in verses 14 and 15, we read, Then the cart came into the field of Joshua, I guess the the owner of that field, Joshua, of Beth Shemesh, and stood there, a large stone was there. And so they split the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. The Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the chest that was with it, in which were the articles of gold, and put them on the large stone. Then the men of Bethshemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices the same day to the Lord. So, what do we have here? Well, the cows pulling the cart stopped close to this large stone that's mentioned here in the text that was in the field of a man whose name was Joshua. The Levites were summoned to take the ark and box containing the Philistines' guilt offering down from the cart and using the rock for an altar, the cart used for firewood and the cows for a burnt offering, the Levites there from the city of Beth Shemesh, led the people in an act of consecration and worship. And then notice in verse 16, after witnessing the proceedings, we are told the Philistine lords with their bodyguards and all others traveling with them to see how this whole thing was going to play out, returned to their own cities. And you can be sure, gang, that their minds were absolutely blown. Now, in verse 19, the priests at Beth Shemesh failed to cover the ark as was prescribed by law. In the book of Numbers, in chapter 4, in verse 5, you know, there were certain instances, like, you know, when the children of Israel wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years after they had been delivered uh, out of Egypt, uh, their tabernacle was uh, transportable. And... uh, you know, as God would lead them in the cloud, uh, they would then know that God wanted them to move. And so the, t- the tabernacle was easily broken down and, uh, and also all of the articles that were placed within the tabernacle. And, and one of those articles was the Ark of the, of the Covenant. But God gave them a very prescribed way in the ways that they were to treat the Ark of the Covenant. Before moving it out of the holy place, it had to be covered. Remember, this, this represented the throne of God. This was, this was something that was to be considered very holy. No one was to be able to touch it. There was only a certain uh, uh, family that had been given the responsibility to that end. But before moving, as the cloud indicated, 
them from going from one place to another and the tabernacle broken down, the articles of furniture removed and then taken along with them, the Ark of the Covenant was always to be covered. And it's, uh, it's recorded for us in the book of Numbers in chapter 4 and verse uh, 5. When the camp prepares to journey, Aaron and his sons shall come. Notice, only Aaron and his sons, those were the priests. And they shall take down the covering veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. Behind that veil was the Ark of the Covenant. And cover the Ark of the Testimony with it. Now, there's, there's other directions. We don't really need to get into it, but they failed to cover the ark of God. And perhaps the prolonged disregard of God's word had caused them to be negligent. He had, now think about this, he had just vindicated his honor among the Philistines, inflicting them, right, with all of these plagues, and now he is about to vindicate his whole in the midst of his people, Israel. So verse 19, what do we read there? Then he struck the men of Bathshemesh. Why? Because they, they, they treated it as something that was unholy. Because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. And, he, and remember, this was prohibited. Only the priests, only a certain family uh, was given license to tend to the ark of the covenant. And he struck 50,070 men of the people. Now, this, now this is a, a little misleading, because if you go back to the original manuscripts, uh, where our English translation uh, comes from, we are told that it wasn't actually uh, 50,000 who lost their lives. He struck 50,000, but only 70 men actually perished. And if you go back to the original manuscripts, it, 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 it tells us that. So uh, it's sort of a little misleading here. Well, anyway, nevertheless, God uh, dealt with them pretty harshly. We don't, we're not exactly told uh, how he struck the 50,000, but nevertheless, 70 uh, of those 50,000 had perished, and the people lamented because the Lord had struck the people with a great uh, slaughter. Okay, so the ark was only to be touched and handled by specific Levites from the family of Koalf. And even they were commanded to not touch the ark itself, according to the book of Leviticus in chapter 4 and verse 15. So if you think about it then, the Philistines showed more honor to the holiness of God than did the Israelites. They, they, they treat it as something, you know, uh, something insignificant, uh, not acknowledging or recognizing uh, the holiness of, of God. Now, the reaction of the survivors, you know, God inflicting them, the reaction of the survivors there at Beth Shemesh is surprising. Instead of repenting of their sin, those who had rejoiced at the return of the ark initially acted like their pagan neighbors. You say, what am I talking about? Well, let's go back to our text in verse 20. And the men of Bathshemesh said, Who is able to stand before the Lord God, and to whom shall it go up from us? In other words, let's get rid of it as, as quickly as we possibly can. They're acting like their pagan neighbors, the Philistines. 
You see, they blamed God for their misfortune, and they sought to get rid of him quickly, which, by the way, was the wrong response. Listen, the holiness and awesomeness of God should draw us in. And yes, it's true we cannot stand before him, but we can't live without him either. You know, I'll, give you a, I'll give you two different examples of this. Remember Isaiah in his book, where on one occasion he received a vision from God, how that God was high and lifted up within the temple. And how did Isaiah uh, respond? He said, woe unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips. So when we have that sort of a manifestation of the holiness of God, it should draw us in. I'll give you a New Testament example of this. Remember uh, Peter's encounter with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Peter basically the same way. He said, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Well, anyway, the inhabitants of the men there in Bathshemesh send the ark to kareth Jerem, which would have been the nearest city of importance on the road to Shiloh, where the tabernacle was located. And so they invited the city's people to come down and fetch the ark. And then in verse 21 we read, So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of kerjeth Jerem, saying, The Philistines have brought back the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up uh, with you. Okay, so uh, the people of kerjeth Jerem, being more noble than those of Beth Shemesh, did so. And then finally we are told, and we're going to end with this last verse, chapter 7 and verse 1, Then the men of kerjeth Jerem came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of a man whose name was Abinadab on the hill, and he consecrated his son, whose name was Eleazar, to keep the ark of the Lord. And so the ark of the Lord, as we, as we will discover as we continue to go through First and Second Samuel, the ark was lodged in the house of this fellow whose name was Abinadab, who was probably a Levite, and the ark remained at this particular location for a period of 90 years. It wasn't until, and it's recorded for us in 2 Samuel in chapter 6, when David himself brought the ark back to the city of Jerusalem. But this is what we take away from this, and this is our final point. Abinadab truly, unlike the inhabitants of the city of Beth Shemesh, Abinadab truly reverenced the Lord. He consecrated his son, Eleazar, to keep watch over the ark. The result of that was blessings. Blessings rested upon the house of Abinadab. And so it shall be with us as we honor and reverence the Lord. In my father's house there's a place for me in my Father's house, where I long to be. That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. If you've missed any part of this message, you'll find it online at harvestnyc.org. You can also subscribe to the In My Father's House with Mike Venezio podcast. Just search for it on your favorite podcast platform. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can connect with us. 
We want to hear from you. If you've been listening for months or even the first time today, let us know. Have you been blessed by a teaching here on In My Father's House? Have you been able to share what you've learned with someone else? We want to hear your story. It's such an encouragement and brings us great joy to know how this program is blessing our listeners. So please, let us know you've been tuning in. You can send us a message right from our website. Just go to harvestnyc.org and click on Contact. You'll find a form to fill out and we'll connect with you as soon as possible. You can also let us know you've been listening by sending an email to harvestnyc at verizon.net. Please feel free to share your prayer request too. We'd be honored to join you in seeking God's direction in your life. Again, just email harvestnyc at verizon.net. If you're listening to our broadcast and aren't in the Manhattan area, We'd like to invite you to join our weekly worship services live on our website. We stream our gatherings on Thursday at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more and connect at harvestnyc.org. That's all for today. Join Pastor Mike next time for another edition of In My Father's House. (laughs) 